Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Uh, I'm Jonathan. I'm the host of Geekscape. And uh, if this is your first Geekscape, let me tell you how it works. We talk movies, video games, comic books, podcasting, pop culture, all that stuff that's fit to print um, that we used to get beat up about. You know, we used to get beat up for uh, in middle school, high school. We talk about that stuff and celebrate it now because you know what? The geeks are on top. And uh, (laughs) it's never more apparent than right now at the multiplex uh it feels like if you're not a marvel movie you don't have a place in theaters but i like to bring stuff up uh here's a little thing that i want to tell you geekscapists um we got an amazing show james kachalka who is an indie comic artist punk rocker writer um i first discovered him back in the mid late 90s because my first job was at a comic book store down by the university of texas and at my lunch break, I would leave the comic book store, of which I would read his comics, which were, they just felt like a zine. They felt like that same culture of punk rock attitude. Um, so we would carry this comic. Uh, I don't remember if it was Monkey versus Robot or what, but it just had that kind of aesthetic. Like if you see the Geekscape logo, it is like a zap pop culture cool ray gun flying saucer aesthetic so of course a book like monkey versus robot james's book was going to pop out anything with elves he had i mean this is a this is this guy's a geek you're going to meet him and you're going to say hey i gotta go buy his book he's got a new one coming out in september um i would walk down the street uh during my lunch break and i would pick up zines at the local punk rock show store pick up records pick up cds uh and come back and, and that was kind of my high school life was Comic books, movies, rock and roll. And Geekscape is very representative of that now. So I'm glad you're here with us. If you don't like any of those things, well, give it a shot. And remember, like, the geeks are now on top. Um, that being said, there are some movies that I, I have seen that need your attention. Uh, this new George Miller movie, it made like $3 at the box office. And I think it's fantastic. It's got Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton in it. It's called 3,000 Years of Longing. Tilda Swinton plays a, uh, a, 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 she writes about books, she writes about fiction, she is a um, intellectual, but she's also really lonely, and she finds a bottle in a store, in a market, and sure enough, there's a genie in it, Idris Elba, and, uh, well, it's George Miller, so get ready for the fantastical. I thought it was awesome, and I'll just, I'm just telling you this because it's not getting love at the box office, and I think it's going to be one of those movies that in five years, you're like, hey, where was this movie? Why didn't I hear about this? Why did MGM drop the bottle on, the, uh, drop, the, drop the bottle, drop the ball on promoting this thing? I would love to see this thing on the big screen. Well, this is your chance 
uh, you should go see it in the big screen uh, because it's fantastic and it's quite a ride. And if you want to go back and watch Spider-Man and all that stuff, you can do that too. Um, there's going to be no shortage of those movies. But every now and then when somebody like George Miller makes a movie, he gave us Mad Max. He gave us Fury Road. And he also gave you Happy Feet and Babe. Um, he almost gave you a Justice League movie too. The writer strike stopped that one. Um, whenever one of these uh, tour guys make a movie like that, I think you should celebrate it and go see it. Um, so that's that. Um, Geekscape's getting a little busy. I get married in October, so I'm really starting to pack the Geekscapes in. Uh, but y'all are the ones who are kind of getting the reward of that. Uh, we just had Jeff Fahey on the show. We talked about Lawnmower Man. If you didn't hear that, it's in the podcast feed right now. You should be subscribing to this podcast and sharing it with your friends. Uh, Jeff Fahey was here. Who do we have before that? Uh, Matt Milligan from Weedus. They're having a little bit of a giant surge right now, thanks to this TikTok trend for Teenage Dirtbag. Um, and then next week, I've got a pretty damn good uh, podcast sit down with Neil LeBute, who did In the Company of Men. Um, kind of, uh, I think he discovered Aaron Eckert. They were BYU students together, and they did In the Company of Men. And then they really uncomfortable stuff he makes sometimes. But his movies are great, and they, they're kind of must-sees. He has a voice that's pretty unique, and we talked about that. So Neil LeBute's coming up. That's a pre-recorded one, so you're going to want to subscribe to hear that one. Oh, and later this week, the president of LA Comic Con is on, uh, on the show to talk about some of the things we expect at LA Comic Con in December. And you don't have to live in LA to be a part of that. We definitely talk about some of the things that they're doing on their website and um, in their podcast that uh, you can celebrate even if you don't live in Los Angeles. Okay, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, but uh, let's just go ahead and get the show started because... That's what we're here for. Y'all want to talk to James? I want to talk to James. So let's start the show and get to it. Geeks gave us strap up. All right, Geekscapists, um, <laughs> before the theme song, I said, strap yourselves up. I think the term is strap yourselves in. Strap yourselves up. You're going to be like, what, it, what kind of show is this? Kids listen to this. I don't want you strapping anything up. Yeah, you can. Listen, we've been doing this show for 15 years. We've gone through a lot of stuff together, okay? Like, there's no judgment here. Um, this is kind of crazy. Uh, do y'all remember, like, early on, we had Big Yanks in New York from Long Island, and he was on the show. He was like on episode like four. Uh, he had a daughter. I helped that daughter with her college essay over the summer. Can you believe that? The geeks gave us now have kids. The kids are now going to college, and this guy is still here talking about movies, video games, and comic books. <laughs> I don't know if that's progress or confidence or just, I don't know, settling on 
who you are and what you do and just saying, hey, this is this is it. Uh, but one thing it does do is it gets me a chance to meet some really, really cool people. And this next person is somebody I've been a fan of for, I think we're talking two decades now, maybe two and a half. Uh, James Kachalka, I think I pronounced that right, but he's here right now to talk about his brand new book, Dragon Puncher Punches Back, which is the third book in the Dragon Puncher series. And speaking of Geekscapers with kids, if you've got kids, this is aimed at them, and it comes out September 20th. James, what's up, dog? Hello! <laughs> <laughs> hey, you doing all right, man? I don't know. What is up, dog? Yeah. Oh, we're going to do that game. <laughs> we're going to do that. Game. I you know, it, it, I, uh, Sorry. <laughs> I, I was talking to Matt Kelly and I said, you know, what? Matt Kelly runs our, our network and, and I'm always going through these push and pulls of like, hey, how do I make the show better? How do I do this? I think ultimately like replace the host is the first thing you got to do because the, the show goes as Jonathan goes. And sometimes uh, I just want to get on here and be like, I don't want to talk about Marvel and DC and video games i just want to be like what up with you <laughs> be like yo what's that you know so um yeah no i we're gonna we're gonna do this and james um yeah, you can talk about comics anything. and rock and roll and anything anything you know that's what, that's what i like when about I was a kid i knew i knew that my life my whole life was going to be comics and rock and roll i didn't think i'd make a living at it <laughs> how did you know that so, like, do you remember that first like instance where you were like, "This gets my blood going a little faster"? Uh, I, I mean, I started drawing comics like really like young elementary school. I don't know. I never really. Uh, I did. I do remember like my aunts and uncles saying stuff like, "Do you think you're going to be a cartoonist when you grow up?" And I'd be like, "What do you mean? I'm a cartoonist now." <laughs> but they meant like you know, as a job. Uh, yeah <laughs> so i was in you know not even considering that maybe it could be a job i yeah. was just in uh, but you grew up in vermont as well yeah so like what do you do when you're in vermont and i'm guessing this is like the 80s going into the early 90s this is maybe late 70s but but you're you're a teenager in the 80s and like the stuff that's going on that's how New York was. Was New York kind of burned out by that point? It had like the whole CBGB's thing kind of like just turned dirty by that point, and there wasn't anything there. I think it was still there. I mean, I my band eventually played there mm -hmm. before they shut down. Um, uh, you know, no, I remember going Blondie to college. Wasn't still playing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the Ramones, Blondie, Talking Heads, like that was long past, and it feels like mid late '80s. You're just stuck in like Frank Miller's Daredevil. That's it. Like, like here oh, yeah, in New York. Okay. So, uh, for for comic books in uh, in in Springfield, Vermont, where I grew up, yeah, uh, the only thing you had was was like the the corner store with its like little rack and be the like rack, yeah, yeah, the spinner rack, and and you couldn't even get like two issues or something in a row unless you like watched it like a hawk, you know. Um, so. Uh, we would, uh, my friends and I would, um, uh, take a car down to Holyoke, Massachusetts to their gigantic mall. It was like a mile long and like three stories high and they had a comic book store and I buy a uh, flaming carrot there. Oh my God. How great was that comic? Yeah. So good. So flaming good. carrot and it's flaming carrot was like the one that I always thought would cash in, but they made the mystery men movie. 
and you're like, oh, but it's it's it was great. Fun, uh, the mystery of the movie is great. Yeah, our our friend Doug Jones is in that. He's super young in it. Um, I remember seeing the Mystery Men movie and being like, but I want flaming carriage. In yeah, the same yeah. way that like unrealistic Jonathan wanted like a milk and cheese cartoon. <laughs> and it's like, Jonathan, they're running around being complete a-holes and murdering people. You know, like all that Evan Dorkin stuff. I, the when people ask me like, what superhero movie would you want to make? It's Mike Alred's Madman. Like, I don't know if any of this stuff works on a commercial level. And it's sadly like Mystery Men didn't really work on a, Commercial level, or maybe no, was not, supposed, not really. Was it, was it too early? Was it too early? The mystery men thing. Early. Yeah, I think it was. Like people are like, huh? Okay. So flaming care look like uh, yeah, yeah. just like I don't know what people thought it was. It wasn't. It wasn't superheroes like they thought, but also it was. I they just weren't ready. I, and I they feel like ready. that that movie still came out like in the vicinity of Batman and Robin. And at that point, people were like, we're done. Pack it in. No more of this. We we tried. Uh-uh. Because, <laughs> because it was like the early 90s where, like, I was a kid and I everybody's feeding off the, the, the love of the Tim Burton Batman. And that, you know, you get away with a couple. You get to make a Dick Tracy. You get to make, you know, the Ninja Turtle sequels. The first one's good. Uh, the, the, maybe I was just a kid. If you revisit yeah, the first it. Ninja it, Turtle yeah. movie was really was good. Fun, the right? second one. Yeah, the second one. You know, it just it wasn't that it wasn't that first one, that's for sure. It wasn't that first one, and then by the third one, it's like, oh boy. Um and so by the time like a mystery men came out, it just seemed like, oh but then you got like John Arcudi, he you know, he, he and Doug Monkey's like the mask got a really good movie, I thought, and that one worked. But it wasn't what we're dealing with now. Now it feels like everybody in Hollywood is like, is it based on a comic? Then we're not interested. Yeah. We're not interested. It's hard to make anything that's not. Is it based on a comic? And as I said in the opening, like George Miller has this awesome movie out that's beautiful and fantastic and goes in some awesome places and has two amazing actors in it. Nobody's seeing it. The- I was very, very, very excited to see it. And then I sort of missed that it had come out. So um, I guess I better I get don't, down there tomorrow. I don't think it's going to be in the theaters next weekend. I honestly no, don't. Not. I honestly don't. No. It's like it's, and then theaters are doing this thing. I don't know if this is reached you, James. You got kids, so maybe this is a good deal. Uh, it's like movie theater day on Saturday nationally, so like oh, I don't know about that. Regal and Cinemark are all doing three dollar tickets, even for the four DX thing that puts you in a seat and like throws mist in your face and like shakes you. <laughs> I don't want to pay for that, <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean that sounds like a cheap day at the theater, so maybe I'll catch up on some of these that maybe didn't get the good reviews. But if you haven't seen this this uh, George Miller movie, go see it. Uh, so James, was I right in thinking that like your artwork and sort of like the the beginning of your career, it's like did it? I mean, I don't want to wrap you up in like zine culture, but do you think? Oh yeah, it- no, absolutely, a hundred percent. I mean, I was making homemade, photocopied mini comics, and that's a and, punk rock thing. And- yeah. Uh, um, I mean, at the time, I mean, there were a lot of comics done that way, but there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of just zines about, you know, anything. And what year was uh, this, do you think? I'm trying to place you. Like, is this like, is this like the last stage? Well, of I mean, I started, making zines. Thing? I started making zines before it was a big nationwide sure. thing. But, but I made my mark probably around around 93 to 95 
I think I think it was like 95 or 96, my first like professionally published book started to come out. But so you weren't writing like the way like the wave had long since gone. The Eastman and Laird like black and white comics wave was like long gone at that yeah, point. It was gone. Yeah, it was. I gone. mean, they, yeah, yeah. So, so how oh, did, I had a friend. Yeah, I had a ahead. friend in uh, high school, um, so probably like 1984 or something like that, who um, did like uh, two or three issues of of his black and white comic, which he sold through the direct market mm -hmm. and would sell like twelve thousand copies of each what? issue yeah you can't sell that many <laughs> and he's like no. and he was you know not a name not a name at all you hear about this stuff yesterday i went to this uh i went to a concert friday uh saturday and i and i i, I went on the on the fly i went to meet some people at lunch i looked up and i was like oh this this there's a, a concert going on during the day i'm gonna go check it out and that turned into a second concert later that night. And I left the house in like an ElfQuest shirt and flip-flops. And so I'm walking around to these concerts. Everybody's like really dressed to go to these concerts. And Jonathan's in shorts, flip-flops, and an ElfQuest shirt. Nobody knows. And, and somebody's like, what is that? And I think it's that same kind of atmosphere of like these 70s to 80s, kind of gone by the early 90s, the, the ElfQuest books. But I cannot even fathom uh, uh, you know, you can't hand. I mean, what does Spider Man sell now? A hundred thousand copies? I can't even fathom an indie creator selling 12,000 copies any day, much less like, I mean, in the 80s. No, no, like it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty common for it's pretty common for a book to sell under a thousand copies. Wow. Uh, I know some, some books through Diamond might get like 200. It, it was uh, even in the '90s. Uh, it was more, than, a lot more than that. Um, and it's well, not everybody. Obviously, yeah, some people. Of course. Of course. Yeah. They, I mean, there are the image creators, right? Like when you think about it, like the Rob Liefelds and the Todd McFarlands were going crazy around that time. How did you? I mean, really, what I'm asking, James, is like, how did you crack through? Like, what do you think it was that cracked through in '93, '94? It really when they started Image, and everybody's looking for this kind of flash and cool style and this and that why do you think you're more minimal if i can say that i don't want to offend but like if you that you're more <laughs> does that make sense like like you how, why do you think, what do you think you you're... just tell me it sucked and no, i probably wouldn't didn't. be offended <laughs> I, was, I was a fan of that no because like because like there's like the sam keith stuff that had like a strong cartoon style to it right like the max if y'all are familiar with that off of mtv like that stuff all had like a great distinct style and i think that when everybody's trying to no offense to rob life tom mcfarland they're great with what they did mark sylvester those image guys but when everybody's doing that i think a lot of us gravitated towards the other like the other stuff. well yeah i mean the way you break in the way the way i broke in the way a lot of people break in is just by being a little different than everybody else my stuff looked different yeah. Uh, Let me and, I'm uh, gonna share a picture of Monkey versus Robot right here, and or actually, I'll share share a Dragon Puncher picture. Yeah. And and what do you what did you attribute? You know, that and, and, to? and and society has been remade from 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 then till now. So it, it it's it's uh my stuff is probably less different looking now than it was then because mm -hmm. you know um uh you know for instance well okay. Uh, like uh, Pendleton Ward, you know, um, mm -hmm. Adventure Time. He yeah. used to write me letters when he was a kid, like in college. <laughs> That's so um, cool. So I feel like, you know, uh, I've I've had a, this gigantic uh, contribution to uh, American culture that, that, that people might not know, but I'm proud of. 
Uh, Absolutely, as you should be. Yeah. Like that, that Adventure Time's massive. But you're right. Like when you look at something like a monkey versus robot, there's absolutely the DNA of your stuff in Adventure Time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it did, um, so and, when the uh, Adult Swim stuff starts coming out, and a lot of it, it you know, is kind of built on that style. Oh, I remember one time this. Uh, I posted a comic online or something, and someone's like, "Oh, this just looks like that same stupid stuff that's been in Vice magazine." And I was like, "Well, I was did have my strips in the original Vice magazine." <laughs> you know, before it went national. So maybe there's a reason why all the strips in Vice Mag, why my strip looks like all the strips in Vice Magazine, because every single thing in Vice Magazine, you know, uh, yeah. is my child. What was the hardest part about this turn? I know. We're, What's I'm, the hardest part of what? What, about was the, what was the hardest part of this turn? I'm still trying to get your origin story. Like, like 93, 94. It wasn't hard. Yeah. Uh, like breaking into comics yeah it was easy oh my god it was so easy <laughs> i can't even believe it it was so so easy <laughs> I, yeah. I literally i started making my so i drew comics my whole life and i would make zines and just like uh, like give them or sell them to my friends and stuff like that and then i then i realized that people all across the country were doing it so then i started like trading zines with other people around the country um and then um from that i ended up getting written about a little bit and then stores would call me and say hey can we stock it so i wasn't even like going out trying to find stores but they'd call me and say you know they track me down and say we'd like to do this anyhow so from when i first started putting zines out Till when I was like, was able to quit my job as a waiter and be a full-time cartoonist was like literally like three or four years. Wow. It was. And then I've, I've just done it ever since. So that would have been like 97 or 98. I think I went uh, full-time. Um, and it, I mean, when and it never like, contracted right like when when you start to see like stories of like marvel having to sell their um you know their their filing cabinets in the late 90s because they're facing another chapter 11 or something like that like did did in, did you ever have a hard time but did things ever start to kind of collapse did you have to oh it? well they uh, collapse and expand all the time right if you're just talking like money yeah, there's some years where I make all you know very little, mm -hmm. and some where I'm very flush. So, how do you survive that stuff? Well, my wife has a job too, mm -hmm. so um, how would I, you... I? I could probably you know make nothing and still be all right. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Don't tell the fans that. All right, like, no, retiring. No. <laughs> Just gonna retire. No. How would you describe your style? And where did it come from, do you think? Where do you think were the influences on you? We talked about how you influence others. Like, what do you think were the influences on you? Um, uh, well, my dad was... Uh, my dad was an old newspaper man. He was like 50 when I was born. He was a newspaper editor. And he really liked the old classic uh, comic strips. So I read 
Um, I read all the classics like Pogo and, of course, Peanuts and Crazy Cat and Little Abner and, like, just anything he showed me, I'd read it. Um, so that was probably my... Oh, and um, and the comics that I could get on the spinner rack, like mm -hmm. Casper the Friendly Ghost and uh, Richie Rich and Hot Stuff, you know, all those Harvey comics. Um, uh, I would go back and forth on the superhero comics. I really, really liked Incredible Hulk when I was little. And then one day I was looking at my Incredible Hulk comics and realized he was a monster. And then I was so terrified I had to give away all my Hulk comics. And then I didn't, I didn't read uh, really uh, superhero comics again for quite a while until then uh, discovered um, uh, like a few towns over, I think in New Hampshire, actually, there was a used comic book store um, and they had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, like Silver Age comics. So I could go in and get like DC uh, superhero comics from the 60s. Mm -hmm. which are amazing oh my god i love those so much and i was like well like um they didn't scare me as much as the as the marvel comics did um and then uh, you know eventually i came around to it all um what do you think that is because obviously like in the 60s 70s 80s like marvel i mean marvel well, now well, just the, has, the, yeah. the, the, DC, the the silver age the 60s dc um you know, has a real playful juvenile uh, uh, quality. And uh, I think the in some of the uh, Marvel stuff, you know, like it really seemed like people were fighting for their very lives, you know. Uh, and, when you uh, think about the decade that Marvel came up in, it, maybe they were aimed mostly at college kids, you know, yeah, so people so. who were literally yeah. fighting for their lives. When you think of the right. civil unrest going on in the 60s when those things came out and the fact that every character is made out of radiation, <laughs> you know, like post-nuclear war fears or current nuclear war, Cold War fears, like uh, I could see how that's a lot for a kid to be like, oh, here's a comic book. It's a lot, you know, it has a lot of bright colors, but it also reminds you that you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> may exactly. not be exactly. exactly. I think that's why I found them terrified. <laughs> yeah, by the way, you're going. You know, it's... <laughs> yeah, here's, a, here's a dollar. Go entertain yourself <laughs> on the spinner rack and be reminded of your own mortality. <laughs> hey, this this radiation you can't even see is going to make your hair fall out, and die, and you're going to kill all your loved ones. Oh my god, I would worry about that kind of stuff for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, I can see that. Um. And I can see why in like a darker decade, like the 80s, a lot of those things started popping up and you start to get like the Frank Miller and the, you know, we just watched all the Sandman stuff on Netflix and you start to get a little bit more of the darker stuff again. But the 60s are great. That stuff is fun. Like what if Jimmy Olsen had Superman's powers? Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, or, or, Jimmy Olsen black grows a gigantic brain. Right. Um, or, you know, like... Um... Or like Robin will die and then he'll come back to life. <laughs> Are all the different types of kryptonites that just make Superman do whatever the hell they want him to oh, do? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they're, a, they're this rubber kryptonite. Well, what's it? What's the one that that, that has a different effect, different random effect on Superman every time? I have no idea. Like a gold kryptonite or something like that. It, I, I, I'm well, not gold kryptonite. I think will take away his powers. Okay, and then. 
like green red, cri- red, red kryptonite. Film. That's the one. That's the one red that makes the random me do something. One? That's the random one, I think. <laughs> I think. Because I, th- I, I remember an issue where where um, Superman got this giant ant head. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and and then it, it gave him like it gave him a new power. Now he could communicate with ants. <laughs> what the? They, listen, DC. I know that like HBO Max is giving you some trouble with like what you want to do, the direction you want to go in. I think we just solved it. You gotta have the ant head Superman. <laughs> and oh, as a good. kid, you're like, this is amazing. As an adult, you're like, man, those DC kids are on drugs. Man, those kids making those comics <laughs> are all on drugs. Um, James, like, what do you think? Like this love that your father had for the Sunday funnies. My father's the same way with the Sunday funnies. We would get like the cast off pages right from the newspaper, and it's like, here, entertain yourself, kids. And you'd read those Sunday funnies. Um, having a father that was that many decades older than you was there were the comics like and did they have an increased value in in connecting with somebody who generationally was pretty far removed or how was oh, that was you know i'm mm, uh you know i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i think he maybe uh uh you know he, he didn't feel he didn't feel generationally far removed that's cool uh just felt like normal dad. So the two of y'all just reading comics. And then when you started drawing and the style is still bright, whereas what were your peers doing at the time? You know, were they all trying to like refine themselves into the more naturalistic, realistic styles? And you're kind of staying as a sort of cartoonist. And I don't, again, like, okay, I don't know. Well, if you're talking about like my peers, yeah. like in high school, and then in they, all drew, yeah. they all drew like me yeah. uh, because I, Drew, like I, had school, str- right? I had a strong influence on them. Okay, I, I, <laughs> I started a, um, I started this comic in high school called Anarchy Today, and then I re- recruit kids. It was like an anthology comic, sure. And I would recruit kids to draw for it. A lot of kids who didn't draw at all, um, or kids that did draw, maybe some other way, I'd make them draw comics. But that goes and, in line with being a comic book called Anarchy Today, right? It's like yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. the noise, right? Yeah, in different styles. And tell me about that. Like, what was the story there? Uh, you did they? Did well, you okay, see them my, start to draw like you. Uh, yeah, I th- I would say so. Yeah, they all started to draw like like me. Um, you know, I did. I started another really weird, th- and, and you know, a lot of it was pretty crass. Uh, stuff. Of course, I, I, like was, I was given a talk. <laughs> yeah, I was given a talk at a high school uh, earlier in the spring, and I was like, "I'll show them stuff from Anarchy Today." And I looked through it; I could like find one strip that I thought <laughs> I could maybe get away with showing. It only had a little bit of murder in it. <laughs> we're, we're just angry. And angry yeah. equated like like I think loud was our solution for being angry, not actually pondering what we're going through or our feelings or our existence. We we're just like, I'm gonna solve yeah, being loud by yeah, being yeah. loud as possible. Is that is that the punk so thing? I invented this other thing in yeah. high school too? Um, so so uh, maybe that wasn't enough. So we found another way to do it all anonymously. Well, okay, so the um, the town. Or not town, the school had this like writing thing where everyone was supposed to write in their English class and make like a little book and then they'd put it in the library. And then everybody was supposed to go in for a couple hours a day and read everyone else's books and like write reviews of it. 
Okay. Very typical. Um, you know, good. Um, and that was anonymous. You didn't know who wrote. Well, it no, it. that wasn't anonymous. Okay. But then I started writing anonymous stories and putting them in the pile. And then soon everybody was writing anonymous stories and putting them in the pile. Like everybody was, so they did their assigned story, right? Whatever. And then everybody wrote like five, six, seven, eight other books and put them in there. And it was all crazy stuff. Some kids would write crazy pornography about their favorite, like um, pop stars. People just write like just the craziest, craziest stuff. And we just slip it in there. And everyone read it and go like, oh, my God, and then write their reviews about the crazy stuff that they had found in the pile. It so I, like, I, made, I made the whole high school write like mad, like everybody writing their asses off because I turned it into the most fun thing that anybody could possibly do. That sounds like what kids do now, but it's like a TikTok, right? Like now yeah, kids, yeah. <laughs> kids are all doing the back and forth on the TikTok or the, the social media. You started that in a prose literary or drawn form in high school. Meanwhile, the teachers are probably like, how do we get these kids to write? And all you really had to do was have them talk trash in a way, yeah. right? Like just kind yeah. of make noise. When did you get and, like, and, and it wasn't all like, it wasn't all garbage. People wrote sure, really sure. good things. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, when did you get into the music? At the same time, right? Um, just being loud? Uh, yeah. Uh, it was in high school. My first band started. And then uh, I had a great band in college uh, called J Jazz in Hell, but it's not, it's like jazzing, but with a, a no G and the apostrophe. <laughs> like, like, like we're like, J A Z Z I N, apostrophe, hell. Right. Like busting a move, but you're jazzing. Yeah, we're jazzing. We're jazzing hell. We're jazzing hell. <laughs> hell's going to get jazzed tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, uh, and so that, that band that band was yeah. um, uh, uh, me on vocals. Okay. Um, this other friend of mine uh, on saxophone, and then another friend on Casio keyboard, and uh, so and then later the we brought in from. this weird hippie guy just joined the band um, against our will. What he actually turned he joined our band against our will. How does that even he happen? Just, he just showed up and started playing with us. He was like, <laughs> well. So at one of the shows afterwards, um, a bunch of uh, frat boys uh, wanted to beat me up. Why? And so, well, I sang a song that about Elvis that they thought disrespected Elvis. <laughs> like, you, why? Like, what, why? What, why? I don't I know mean, why. What, did, what well, they, did you say about Elvis that Elvis wasn't uh, like doing to hadn't already done to himself? I, no, I didn't do it. I don't. It's just a song, you know. It's just right. a little song about Elvis, and uh, and well, and I took my pants off. Um, <laughs> oh man, this is making me. <laughs> that's where you went wrong, James. <laughs> they were like, "What are these weird feelings, man?" So anyhow, so this guy, Elvis, <laughs> their masculinity, and now they're gonna guy who, my this guy Hilton. Uh, who was at the show, he was like, I'm going to have James's back from now on. So he welded, he didn't know how to play bass, but he made a bass guitar out of solid steel. He just welded these bars of steel together. And then he was like, anybody messes with you at any shows, I'll just beat them with the bass. And I was like, okay, I guess this guy's in the band now. That, that bass isn't 
but it wasn't an instrument. That was a weapon. <laughs> like that was a yeah. weapon. And with so strings and, on and, it. and he didn't really know how to play bass. Um, so well, you need a bass just, first. <laughs> it was like what he, he had. Was he like... just he 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 played the bass with a drumstick. He just beat the strings with a drumstick, and you know, move his hand up and down. And so we mixed that in with the Casio keyboard and saxophone. Yeah, but it, 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 <laughs> you, you still talk to Hilton. No, I haven't talked to him in a long time. He maybe he's a good guy though. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe him sound scary, but he was really a sweet guy. Well, there was a level of altruism that was going yeah. down. With, which he was wasn't great. like he was just a, 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 a you know a, a skinny hippie college kid. He wasn't like a tough guy. Sure, but he just wanted to protect me. I just love that you took your pants off and suddenly these dudes masculinity was challenged. So they're like, we got to reestablish oh, yeah, that. We got to beat this guy up to reestablish our Uga Booga. I, you know, I don't even think I showed anything. I think I was still like, you know, in my boxers or whatever, that but was it was just for too, them. too much for them. Yeah. yeah these dudes who take football <laughs> showers together and like, Hey man, what's going on? Hey, borrow your shampoo. Like the, the second you get down to your boxers, you're like, that tears it. <laughs> Time to die. <laughs> Punk rocker. And we're going to blame the fact that you made fun of Elvis. Everybody's making everybody makes fun of Elvis. Elvis by that yeah. time was he went out badly. Like poor Elvis. Like Yeah, I mean that's what the song was I think the well um the song was actually written by uh, another the lyrics are actually written by another friend of mine. Um but the lyrics were um it was like thanking Elvis for the gift that he gave mankind cuz every drug that he consumed was one less on the street for you. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? <laughs> you really saved a lot of people <laughs> from a terrible end. It is a perspective, and I think I think that that perspective is fun. I mean, yeah, that, that I can see somebody thinking that was a little mean spirited, but um, but I think what I like about you is you you always had this like, you know, sometimes you take the comic and you have to turn it sideways. Like the the, the perspective was not traditional, and I think earlier when I was fumbling through my words, being like, hey. I didn't necessarily want the Marvel or image stuff at that time. Right. Like when the, when the image guys came out and you remember that it was the stuff they were doing at Marvel, except Sam Keith, right? Sam Keith was the one doing the max and with the weird claws. And then all of a sudden you get on liquid television with MTV, which is obviously a precursor to this adult swim stuff. And you watch it. Cause it's like, Oh, it's the max. And you got like Beavis and butthead and stuff, all that alternative art stuff. And I, and I don't think you're the general. I mean, how much did like the R. Crumb and the earlier stuff? That's all '70s stuff and '80s stuff. And so my fascination with you is that you're sandwiched between the the Eastman and Lairds of the world and that indie comic boom of the late '80s. But before it was Hollywood being like, "You got any more of these blockbusters? We got, can we make oh, a yeah, mystery yeah. men?" Like you just kind of came in there. Yet your influence is solidly there. Just in time for the Adventure Times and the Adult Swims and all of that stuff. And Geekscape is if you've never heard of James Kachalka, that's why when you were solicited to the show, I said, absolutely, 100%, A+, plus, we got to have him on the show because... At a certain well, point, I think your, yeah. um, your, your Geekscape listeners will, would absolutely love Monkey vs. Robot. And we do have a, a big uh, collection of that that... that uh, has the the original first two graphic novels, mm -hmm. so Monkey vs. Robot and Monkey vs. Robot and the Crystal of Power, 
And then it has um, a, a whole third graphic novel that I drew just for the collection. Oh, wow. Um, and that goes uh, out to IDW or Top Shelf? Uh, top Shelf. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and this, what you're showing here is actually uh, the Monkey vs. Robot music album. I know. Which came first. So first it was a song. Uh -huh. uh, and then the album and then and then the graphic novel series. Why that order? It's just music is more immediate or your resources? Well, I was just like at a I was at a party. Um, it was like an after hours party. So uh, you piss anybody else there? No, 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 no. Okay. okay. Well, just checking. Just checking if I gotta get the metal base. <laughs> I'm like um, I'm just like a bull in the china shop. Like, probably. You only live once, James. It's okay. Um, I know. I really try to be a good person, but I I do cause uh, accidental mayhem. Um, but at this party. Uh, so there was this band from uh, this band from New York City, uh, Ultra B Day. Um, they're uh, Japanese guys uh, living in New York or who emigrated, and then they would come up to Burlington, Vermont, to play. Um, I think it's hard to remember. It's a long time ago. Sure. Um, uh, anyhow, they were at the party, and so. They were there. They had played. They had played a show earlier in the night. You know, the clubs shut down at like one o'clock, and then we all moved over to someone who had a big house, and so all you know, like half the people at the party were musicians. So we just started jamming in the uh, in the um, in the living room or something. Living, right? In yeah, the living yeah. room, right? Yeah, and so they were just playing like you know some random riff. And I just started singing the song Monkey versus Robot to. I just invented it on the spot. Sure. So then we had to I had to recreate it with my band later. Um, <laughs> it went over, uh, it was a hit. Yeah, no, it was, it was like yeah. this is amazing. Like monkey versus robot. It's just like that's the best idea. And everyone so immediately knows the words, right? What that? Everybody I know, knows yeah, the words. I, like everybody gets it. It's monkey versus robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um uh it's about the uh eternal struggle of Man versus machine. Nature versus technology. Uh, it all makes sense. Yes. Nature yeah. versus technology. Right. Um, uh, uh, so then I once, then I had that title and I was like, the title is just too, too good for just, just, I, I, I got to draw a comic too. Mm -hmm. um, so, that's incredible. Um, that's happened uh, more than once. Uh, for instance, the new book, mm -hmm. uh, Dragon Puncher Punches Back. Yeah. So the first Dragon Puncher book, I first wrote uh, Dragon Puncher as a song um, to entertain my son. He was probably like three years old. And I wrote this song. Um, it goes, I am the Dragon Puncher. A punching I will go. If you are a dragon, I will punch you in the nose. I am the Dragon Puncher. You know I ain't no liar. The dragon tried to burn me, but I ain't scared of the fire. Because I know the secret of infinite lives. I know the secrets. I never die. Anyway, I wrote that song. Um, like, while we were, you know, play fighting. Because we used to love to love to um used to love to wrestle and fight like uh anyhow so then i did the comic uh, and so um that's the field behind our house 
this little brown monster, fuzzy monster. That's my son Eli. That so that, those pictures were probably taken when he was three. And Geekscape, uh, the- uh, if you're just listening to this on the audio podcast, you got to pick up this book, Dragon Puncher, uh, or pick up any of the Dragon Puncher books. The third one comes. Oh, yeah, out let me just. I'll just. Quiz. I'll describe. I'll oh, describe yeah. how it looks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So so the the uh, the figures are drawn. Uh, and the the two main characters are a cat in a battlesuit, robot battlesuit, and a, a little kid who is in a like fuzzy monster suit, fuzzy monster pajamas kind of thing. And then the the backgrounds are photographs, and the characters' faces are photographs. So the cat in the robot battlesuit is my cat Spandy, and I took a lot of photos of Spandy's face and the. Uh, the, the little kid in the fuzzy monster suit is my son, Eli. And I, I took lots of pictures of his face. I'd say like, look left and look scared or look straight ahead and look angry. No angrier. Um, and uh, you know, like directed him. Like, Do that. the photos come first or the artwork comes first? Or is it- uh, I would draw the, I, I drew the book. Okay. Like as a, like rough draft, just pencil drawings. And I would read it to him as like a bedtime story. Um, and then I went through um, and took all the face photos. So I, I knew from my rough sketches, you know, like the character would have to be looking up at this other character uh, or down at this whatever, you know. So then I, I knew like all the directions I had to give him. And as your kids get older, you have two kids now, and as yep. and as they've gotten older, they've appeared in the Dragon Puncher books that are aimed at kids too. So if you're listening to this and you're a parent, the Dragon Puncher series, and I like the Johnny Boo stuff too. Like the, those things, you you do stuff that's as as yeah, you I have a lot of up, great there's lot a of lot great of books for kids, great kid stuff. Um, and I think that's awesome. And like all the punk rockers that we grew up with, they're all they all did their kids albums, they all do their stuff. I think that's a natural progression for storytellers who become dads. And I think it's beautiful. Uh, and this book has, has beautiful. your kids in it. I think it's, a, I think it's awesome. Um, uh, so I, yeah, they've I gotten really big now though. Um, Eli, when I, so when I drew, yeah, you, how old are your kids now? They're in their, t- they're like, they're <laughs> no, late no, teens. Not, not quite a, yeah. Not yeah. Quite yeah uh, Eli just turned 19. Yeah. Uh, and Oliver <laughs> is just about to turn 15. But you still use the original photos of them as children, correct? Yeah. So I debated this. uh, So I drew the book, this most recent book, Dragon Puncher Punches Back. uh, Last September, I drew it. Um, So uh, Eli had just gone off to college. Wow. So we had talked during the summer about um, taking new photos of him for the book. Um, And we just, you know, we we got really busy he was working as a dishwasher trying to, you know, uh, you know, earn some money and, and, uh, and hanging out with friends and stuff that he wasn't going to see again for a long time. And then suddenly it was the night before he was going to leave. Oh my God. And he's like, well, let's take the photos, dad. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. And I was like, you know, we don't need another stressful uh, deadline on your last night. I'll just do the, I'll just use the pictures we took for the last book. Which was like, what, 10 years earlier? Yeah, it was 10 years earlier. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and actually that turned out to be really great because, you know, I missed him while he was gone and I I was able to think about like our whole uh, 
this whole life that we had together, uh, you know, when he was a little kid and now, now he's big and now he's, he's moved on. He's off to school. So it was like drawn dragon puncher punches back was a way to just reminisce and, and uh, enjoy that time that I got, that I had spent with him when he was little that I'll, you know, can never recapture again. Um, you know, uh, how emotional did you get making that book? I mean, I feel like you're getting emotional talking about this now, and it's a beautiful thing. One of my favorite memories was my father driving me to college, and that weekend we that week we we spent driving to the Northeast uh, to drop me off, and um, and to hear you talk about this is beautiful because if anything, Geekscape is especially y'all who are parents and interested in getting a book for your kids. Um, I think that you could just hear in James's voice that that this book is a testament to that, and and ultimately in this is a, a kid's book, and and, yes, and maybe absolutely. maybe having like a nineteen year old, eighteen year old kid, maybe that's a different book. Yeah, maybe you know? I still might do it. For, sure, maybe for a, a future one, but for this one, there hadn't been a Dragon Puncher book in in ten years, and Gotta reset the and, palette. Uh, yeah, yeah, like a lot of people don't know what it is. Um, you know, right? Like uh, Dragon Punch Punches Back works very well as your first Dragon Puncher book. You don't have to have <laughs> have read the others at all. Um, and uh, uh, also, I you know, um, I draw like a thousand times better now. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, could that be a thing that that Eli takes part in later on? Is a version of this where his character ends up in a time warp and you use both current photos oh, that would and be awesome. old yeah, photos. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, I mean, because I can only imagine sadly the cat's no longer with us, right? The cat has died. That's true. I I, I thought of replacing the cat because I have some new cats. Mm -hmm. But so like if I do the if I do the older I could do the older Eli and maybe one of the new cats. I don't know. Um, so you're showing for the for the people that that are Watching, just listening, yeah. you're 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 showing some of the the uh, pages of the new book, um, which drive me absolutely insane because of this giant uh, watermark on them. Because the I guess I guess IDW was afraid you would you would pirate the book if they sent it to you. <laughs> so there's like this watermark that takes up like a third of the whole page. Oh well. I know, I know. Um, that being said, you know, I still enjoyed it. And I think that I, I enjoyed it for the reasons that like you and I are similar age and we've 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 grown up with comics, we've grown up with families, and um and if anything, this this stuff is a celebration of this stuff. And I can only imagine, I mean, I I know your biography. Um I I, I see your kids on the insert. A page on the uh, in the opening and the oh yeah on the indicia page and i, and I, I know your kids aren't that the, the age that they are in these photographs anymore but seeing the book and seeing your kids at this age uh this is this is like a great way to to just make a photo album with your kids it's like a creative, oh, yeah. creative yeah, way to sure. make a photo album with your kids and uh so this, remember this that is what i was thinking photo. today um uh if they you know someday they have their own kids right like to be for them to be able to read this book to their kids is going to be absolutely mind blowing. Like I mean, daddy, when he was a little boy, used to fight dragons, yeah. and grandpa was one of the dragons. Well, you have this. I mean, there, I don't want to melt everything down to a cyclical nature, but your father got you into the comics. 
and now you put your kids into comics and there's a there's like a beautiful thing here where i mean i don't i'm not smart enough to put it into words but but (laughs) but, i mean there's something here that i feel is a part of your pulse right and in your artistic method where it's like a a celebration of a generation it's like this is like what i was saying before when i said i knew comics were gonna be my life but Mm -hmm. i not necessarily my profession right like and this is the way that they're this is my life this is it's just uh it's it's just like um like playing with my kids drawing a book to read to them uh doing the dishes like it's all singing a song yeah singing a song while doing the dishes oh, i wrote a i used to do this great i haven't sung this one in a while but when the kids were little i would say um, this is how daddy washes the dishes. This is how daddy washes the dishes. Um, first he runs the water till the water, it gets hotter. Then he gets that sponge all wet, puts a little soap on it. This is how daddy washes the dishes. This is how daddy washes the dishes. And then I go through like all the steps of washing the dishes. In the <laughs> that one hasn't made it into a comic book. No, and I never recorded that one either. I don't. I, I. I. never. Uh. Never put that one on an album or anything. Yet. Yet. It, you know the the guy from Nerf Herder, Perry Grip. No. He, he sings. You know, remember that band Nerf Herder? They had a bunch of like songs in the nineties. They're still around. But Perry. I mean, I think. I think I. Perry I think I, like. Uh, they, I think I remember. He now makes theme songs for like Disney, Nickelodeon, that kind of stuff. But he puts out. He uses his YouTube channel to put out songs, and they. When I think about your music, I'm like, okay, if you take Perry Grip, they might be giants and Black Flag and put them in a blender. You get some of your stuff, you know what I mean? Like that's just felt like it's sure, like that, throw a little, kind of stuff. Throw a little ween in there too. Mm-hmm. We talked about ween last week because we had Weedus on the show, and we talked Weezer. So there was a lot. There was a lot of that that section of uh, the the, See, my, the my, album my band is my band is pretty old like we're probably we probably predate ween and are not long after uh they might be giants sure like like well for instance my my first band jazz and hell which really morphed into james kachalka superstar um did you keep winston we, we existed like that band existed before they might be giants first record came out are you a fan um, of them? Might, they might be oh yeah, yeah yeah for sure yeah um so hearing it in your music that's not a mistake that is not no 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 it's, yeah it's fine um it's good no they're fantastic i bought their um uh, they came to they came to burlington vermont uh so uh my freshman year at the university of vermont that was uh 1985 and they came up to play that that fall of 1985 and uh uh, all they had was a cassette tape, which I bought and listened to like a thousand times. Um, and uh, interesting thing about that first cassette tape is songs from that cassette tape ended up on like the next like 10 albums or something. Wow. Like they they just pull another one of their old songs and pump it up and st- it maybe I might be exaggerating. Sure, uh, but maybe, maybe not it, ten. Maybe it's five. Or five whatever. Right. But yeah, but but like they they kept mining that first cassette tape for many years afterwards. Um, a lot of good songs on that. You gotta imagine they're playing these things live and refining them, and then they're probably like, okay, now we're ready to put this thing down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a yeah. higher format, but um, 
I think although I think if you're in college and you're not appreciating appreciating the might be giants in any form, then you're not really in college. <laughs> I think that's just a, it's like that's just a part of being in college. It's like you got to discover several things in college, and they might be giants is one of them. Even if you're a well, kid, I think you know back then in the '80s or '90s for sure, but now. There's probably something else. Sure. There's probably, it's probably something else. Oh, on the, on the you know, like, um, something. Uh, like we'll 100, never, gex, we'll... 100 Gex or something. I, is that a thing? Oh, yeah. You don't know 100 Gex? I don't have college-age kids. <laughs> <laughs> what is 100 Gex? Uh, 100 Gex might even have – their crowd might be even younger than college-age. I went to a 100 Gex show. I thought I was seeing old people music like what me. Um, but it was, like, almost all, like, junior high school kids – uh, but that happens too with our music. Like I, I went to see Less Than Jake. We we collaborated a bit with the kids in the Less Than Jake band, and uh, and I was like, oh, ska music's back. Like kids who weren't alive when ska had their late '90s thing are at these Less Than Jake shows and at these ska shows. And I'm like, well, wait, wait, is this thing coming? What's happening? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure what genre One Hundred Gex is, but it maybe it's hyper pop. That? If one like the number one hundred, yeah, and then G E C S. <laughs> I would have never gotten that. Oh my god, we're two old dudes talking about music. They're like, this is crazy. <laughs> I am gonna look them up though. Geekscape is. You may know what he, we're talking about. And be like, yes, Jonathan, get with it. I'm unsubscribed. Yeah, no, get, get with it, Jonathan. Get with it. I, I don't care what you think of She Hulk. Unsubscribe. We're done. And, and there's probably something even newer that I that I don't know. But we won't, um, we won't know. At this point, I'm just like, eh, I'm done. Time out. Count me out. Like I become that person who's like, yeah, my music taste stopped in the mid 2000s and just put dirt on me at this point as far as music. Oh goes. well, I mean, I, do, I I I really actively search stuff out. There've been several times uh, already that I've been to my son Eli, who's off at his university. And I've been like, hey, do you know this band? And he's like, no, I never heard of them. I'm like, well, they go to your university. Holy crap. <laughs> and he was like, what? No, so, but they're like not famous. Like, right. I just, yeah. you know, I'm just, I just try and keep up on everything. So like I've discovered, I've discovered um, multiple bands or singer songwriter dudes or whatever at his school that he has never heard of. Um but you, it makes you feel good, though, right? It makes you feel good, though, right? Yeah. And then when he finds them out, is he like, oh, those are the dorks at campus? Or does yeah, he maybe. like I don't know. I don't know. I mean, does he actually, like... Oh, he... no, he's definitely really into music, but I don't know 100% what... Uh... That would oh, be I... encouraging you, wouldn't it? He's like, I don't want to encourage this. Well, okay, uh, so there's this band called Darling Side, um, and they're they're excellent. They play... Um, it's all really, like, down. sort of soft, pretty music. They there's like four guys and they play like mandolin and and uh, you know acoustic guitar and they all stand around one mic and they sing in, in it together in beautiful harmonies. And anyhow, I had never I had not heard of them, but they were coming through town and they uh, emailed me and they're like, "We're big fans of your comics and music. We'll put you on the guest list." I was like, "Okay." So I went, I brought my wife, Amy, and we went to it. Like, this is great. And met the guys. They were really nice. And the next day, I was talking to uh, my son, Eli, about it. So this was a few years ago. So like, he was like a sophomore in high school then. And I, and I was like, what is it? He was like, what's that band you saw? I was like, Darling Side. He's like, that's my favorite band. <gasps> and I was like, well, 
if you had ever told me you could have come to the show last night with us. So then the next time they came through town, we, we did uh, bring him along. And, uh, that's an amazing and story. Did. Yeah. That's yeah, great. And, oh, now, really I've, uh, now I've recorded a song with them. Uh, it's complete. I don't know when it's going to come out, but we're going to. Are you just uh, showing wrote... off now? You're like, not, you're like showing <laughs> off to your kid. Be like, hey, not only is you know, yeah, no, I go like, to nobody like, okay, band. Take it easy. Yeah. Take it easy <laughs> hey, pump the brakes, Dad. <laughs> pump the brakes, boomer. <laughs> Everybody born before 1990 is a boomer now, I guess. All right. Okay. You're my son's favorite band. We're collaborating. <laughs> Stay in your lane, kid. This will show you. <laughs> That's fantastic. But you, you actually have uh, a new That kind of makes me feel like maybe I'm an asshole. No, no. James, James <laughs> I think if anything, it's that punk rock attitude coming back out and being like, you know what? Uh, we are only on this planet for a, a handful. We don't know how long we're on the planet, but let's just do what we're going to do and let's celebrate. And if anything, I think that's really cool, and I think it's beautiful that it's, you it's are in tune with your son in that way. And and I, I keep going back to this observation with you and your generation before or generation after that you are in tune with them in a way that sometimes you're just not resonant like that with a with an adult or with a child. And you are, which is I think a testament to your style and the youthfulness of your style is am i going too far with this am i just making shit out like what do you think um uh i'm asking you to give yourself credit for this oh know. yeah thank you <laughs> no, I'm kidding. i mean uh 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 so um my uh my older brother, so my brothers are like 13 years, once, how old are they? 15 years older than me, 13 years older than me, and then my sister is 12 years older than me. Anyhow, my older brothers, so they were in like in college and I was still pretty uh, small. Yeah. And they uh, made me promise to never grow up. They're like, we're not growing up. You shouldn't grow up either. They're like, dad never grew up. So, uh, we uh we sort of em we embraced a uh, uh uh you know goofy uh goofiness and i don't want to call um, it it's not arrested development because you are clearly developing you are having kids you are having professions you are moving on what do they do that they that kept them from growing up or did they just take the bank job oh uh one of them uh uh started a, a business uh doing uh post making post and beam houses but, okay. you know, okay. just, but, you know, uh, stayed young at heart. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the other one really went crazy oh. <laughs> in a good way. No, no, okay. in a good way. Um, uh, and, and moved uh, to the jungles of Paraguay to, to catch spiders. Um, Whoa. And, and uh, has lived in Paraguay for like the last, well, since the, since the mid Eight, no, it's early eighties. Since the early eighties, has lived in Paraguay. That's incredible. Uh, catching spiders. Yeah. In it, I, I find the similar. I I just wanted to be on the radio, and then so you know, he's a scientist. That's yeah. what he's a scientist. Yeah. Not he's, just he's a, crazy a, he's person a No, he's not yeah, out yeah. there eating yeah. them. He's <laughs> there like, hey, no, he's. I imagined he was some kind of natural uh, yeah. scientist. No, my brother, my younger brother, probably. I shouldn't throw that word crazy around. You know. No. Uh, some people consider it a slur. I just mean like wild. Right. 
Um, on he he took the bumpers off. He does yeah. he doesn't stay within the parameters of normalcy for society, and I think that's right. I think I mean my younger brother became a pro wrestler, and I became this. So filmmaker, comic book guy who talks on the internet and a microphone. So I think I think none of us were like going to toe the line on that stuff. You know what I mean? And and I don't know what that is is an example of, but I think. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, let's talk about your music because you've got a song coming out. Oh, yes. So the other song I was just telling you about, I sort of jumped the gun on that because we don't have a release date. You don't have that. a release date, but it's recorded. Yeah, the, the, one, dar- the, 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 the collaboration with Darlings. Okay. But so the the next one, that the one that, that's, that's on the burner, uh, uh, coming out September 16th, is called The Mummies on the Loose. And it's a collaboration with the punk band Rough Francis and uh, on guest vocals, uh, Jello Biafra of the Dead Kennedys. That's crazy. It is. It's amazing. So the Dead Kennedys um, plastic surgery disasters was one of the very first uh, records that I bought. I found it in a record store in Boston for like $5. And I was like, $5? I got to buy it no matter what. Awesome. What, what record store, if I may ask? Um, no, I don't. I don't know. Because yeah. um, they used to have uh, that comic book store slash record store, didn't they? Yeah, back yeah. In the day? Newberry, Newberry, Newberry Comics. Comics. I remember buying yeah. stuff at Newberry. Now, yeah. um, I think we had gone down there to go to Newberry Comics, but I'm pretty sure I found this in a different store. Okay. Um, and now you're collaborating with Jello Biafra. Yeah, it's amazing. You pinch yourself with this stuff. <laughs> yeah. You have to. Um, uh, and and uh, and Ralph Francis is freaking awesome too. Um, they're, so they're a local uh, band from Burlington, Vermont, um, and you uh, may know their parents. Uh, their parents were in the seminal punk, proto punk uh, band Death that had that great documentary about them. A band called Death. Um, in Geekscape, if you haven't seen that documentary and you're into music, period, uh, I think it's a great historical documentary and it posits the question, like, were they the first punk band, right? Like, yes, like absolutely. If, if they're in Detroit... Not only maybe yeah. the first punk band, a black punk band. Totally black punk band. And uh, and they predate... Who would you say they predate? Iggy Pop by... I mean, who would you say is next? Like They predate everybody. They predate yeah. everybody. But who would yeah. say... Who, who would be the next one down the line is it i don't know maybe iggy pop and and he's at least in the vicinity like he he's a neighbor i mean if you're thinking of the detroit chicago area like okay iggy pops there and then yeah it's the same same same, uh same 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 neighborhood basically yeah but the band called death is i mean when when they were discovered a few years ago by that documentary kind of really blew them up right like that documentary came out and everybody started talking about this band like where the hell were they hiding and the documentary in itself is a, the, the question where the hell did this band come from yeah why, why it's, it's really it's crazy. an amazing story uh from our perspective here in burlington because um you know uh so rough francis is their sons have a punk band too um and they had played in punk bands all through high school and um they didn't know their dads what? used to have this band. Their what? dads had their dads when they were growing up. Their dads had started a reggae band and would play reggae music. And they were, and they and never ever ever told their kids that they used to have this like 
hard rocking band that was um, very influential in that area. And I, I, you know, you can you can theorize whether or not they went and led to Iggy Pop and the rest of it. Yeah, it's amazing. How do they not and, know? And so that? eventually, like one of uh, 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 one of the kids had moved to San Francisco, and his roommate went to a party, and at the party heard this song that was awesome. Came back home and said to my friend, um, "You got to hear this song I just heard at this party," and played it for him. And he was like, that sounds a lot like my dad. I mean, all the stuff is covered in the documentary, I think. But, that's but yeah, incredible. so then he yeah. went home back to Vermont, said, Dad, are you in this band called Death? And he's like, yeah, I got, you know, a whole album up in the attic. We never released it. And they bust it out and the rest and is history. Out. Yeah. Um, what's it like working with those? I mean, ultimately, if their their parents had put their kids in a comic book, I think that it, I think it would have been, they would have known that. <laughs> that's where they would. Yeah, yeah, right, that's right. They, I mean, yeah. you're putting your kids in a comic book. If they would have just had the kids doing background vocals, just like I think the kids weren't even born yet when they were doing it. How old are those guys? No, no, they weren't. No, it was all before. Uh, when they were in debt, when they were in death, those kids were. They teenagers. were like teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, no, the kids were decades out still and this where can we find this song this one that comes out on the it comes uh, out september 13th. the mummy's on the loose it's september the 13th on, you'll, be, you'll be spotify title anywhere you want to listen to it okay all right so that's september 13th and geekscape is i think 16th september okay. 16th september 16th here's your mission okay okay september 16th you're gonna go and you're gonna find james's music this uh this mummy song what's it called again the mummies on the, the loose. mummies on the loose, and are they going to search for James Kachalka, or do you have your own name for this super James, group? James Kachalka Superstar. I think it says something like James Kachalka Superstar with Rough Francis featuring Jello Biafra, but I'm sure you could find it just by searching James Kachalka Superstar. Okay. Um, and then four days later, you're going to find this comic. Uh, oh it's man, a book. And then my new book. Four days later, my new book, Dragon Punch Punches punch back. back. Uh, big difference between IDW and, and uh, Top Shelf? Because you've been with Top Shelf for a long time. I've been with Top Shelf from the very first thing they ever published. The very first uh, book was an anthology, and I was in it. And I've been loyally bound ever since. <laughs> um, so, you know, when, when IDW bought Top Shelf, uh, I was a little worried. Didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, the very first thing they did was I had a whole bunch of Johnny Boot books that had fallen out of print and Top Shelf couldn't afford to keep them in print. And IDW put them all back into print. And I was like, awesome. This is like the best thing that could happen. And um, and they've been, they've been freaking great ever since. Uh, uh, we've been putting together TV pitches and shopping them around uh things have been going really well uh i don't want to say any more no, than that no no you don't have <laughs> well, well james uh when that stuff moves forward just come back on the show and tell the geekscapes about it yeah for right? sure uh yeah. i mean we'll i mean we'll know uh and then we'll tell and then we'll tell your son about it yeah long after um, said, don't get it be like you know it, we uh, it, put that thing it's, on tv it's um it's hard to get too excited about anything, you know, because these things fall apart all the time. Like poor Jeff Smith, who had like, oh my god, oh four my god, of the biggest deals in a row all fall apart. The Nickelodeon thing, and then most recently the Netflix one. 
Yeah, and all he, we and, want and, is and bone. There was another one too. The yeah. bone you know, books. Awful, awful. And so awful. he makes Razzle. I think in Geekscape, you got to be familiar with Jeff Smith and Bone. I think Bone is like the Lord of the Rings. It's the best. The best I color. love it. It's fantastic. And it goes places. I liked Razzle and I like the stuff that he does. Yeah, it's all great. Um, he, how has he not made Bone into a cartoon a series? How is this not like the. You know, how are it's people easy not to talking get... about Bone like, 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 uh, like this Game of Thrones? Yeah, it's easy to get uh, as a fan. It's easy to get uh, frustrated, but you know the book still exists, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it didn't get turned into a Netflix show. Yeah, it's still an amazing, amazing graphic novel. Um, but it must be incredibly frustrating for him. Yeah, uh, beyond belief. And IDW does a great job of this stuff. I know that they're homes to the Eastman and Laird stuff with the Ninja Turtles, uh, but also they brought back this Rocketeer book. They have this mini series for the Rocketeer that I've been reading. Uh, it's new stories, but it also has a celebration in the back of all. The, it has a, a, a oral history of the Rocketeer that I, I thought was really great to read. And uh, they did a, an incredible reprint of the Rocketeer stuff. Cool. Um, so, you know, I never read Rocketeer, but they. Um, but, you know, it's been. Sure. On my radar. <laughs> well, now you should. Now, now, now you share homes with them. Because IDW, yeah, right. yeah, IDW yeah. does a pretty damn good job of taking these books that are out of print, like you said, the Johnny Boo stuff, and putting them out for fans in a great way. Um, and are they doing the same stuff with the earlier Dragon Puncher stuff? Because if you're a Dragon Puncher fan and you get this Dragon Puncher punches back, you're like, okay, I want to go get the first two books. I hope, it's still, I hope the others are still in print. Uh, sometimes we forget. It does, <laughs> slip it does slip through the cracks sometimes. There was... Um, um, we were heading into into the Christmas season a few years back and uh, my local store called me and they're like, we can't get the Johnny Boo books. I'm like, what do you mean you can't get the Johnny Boo books? And like, well, the, the distributor says they're out of print. I'm like, they're not out of print. And I called Top Shelf and they're like, no, they're not out of print. And then they called IDW and then like by the end of the day, we're like, oh my God, they're all out of print. Whoa. They they had they just sure all sold out in the months heading up to Christmas and then suddenly it was like October and when the when the when everything really gets cooking and they were all all gone um, and so did you miss that Christmas that Christmas yeah, we, did. We, missed, oh, we missed that one damn yeah. uh, all right that's crazy <laughs> that is crazy but, yeah okay well geeks gave us you can pick up this book September twentieth. Plenty of time for Christmas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Plenty of time for Christmas. You got a couple of months there. You get some some time. Uh, and again, this is James Kachalka, who I think like came out of that zine culture, the punk rock culture. It makes a pretty punk rock book, and uh, and like other punk rockers, has grown up with it and put his kids and stuff and made books for kids as well. Uh, but you're going to make some adult books again too, right? Like this is an all kids all the time now. Right? No, uh, no. Um, uh, I'm not going to ask you what you're working I'm, on. No spoilers. No, no. I, I could tell you what I'm working on because I'm serializing it on my Patreon. Um, so I had a lot of ideas for books and I had a lot of really good ideas and I was getting a little um, confused. I could, couldn't choose from all my great ideas and also getting a little overwhelmed. Some of them seemed like they would just be too much work. 
and uh, you know like um not just that there would be too much work but like the thought of taking on this great idea was just overwhelming sure it's something a little bit like a writer's block or something but it's a little different um sometimes like yeah well okay so this is what i came up with instead i looked at all my ideas and i was like i'm gonna pick the worst one and uh so my idea that i picked was jimmy's elbow a a a story about a boy who has an elbow (laughs) (laughs) and that's what i'm serializing on my patreon right now it's almost (laughs) daily but like almost a page a day and uh and it's getting really crazy that is one. And you don't wild, map it out. You're not, this no, is no, not no. no. It's like you wake I'm up and you're it, like, what's this next page? Making it up as I go along. And it's fantastic. <laughs> That's got to be an incredible exercise, if anything. If, if anything, it's at least an incredible exercise in saying like, hey, trust yourself. You're going to stick the landing maybe or at least get in the vicinity. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. So like- <laughs> when I started, I was like, well, you know, this is nothing. So I'll do 20 pages. Yeah. No risk, no, we'll, no stress. Yeah, yeah, just do 20 pages and then I'll move on to the next thing. And I got 20 pages in and 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 um and I was having a lot of fun, so I just kept going and I just uh I just posted page 101 today. So um you're out of control. You're out of control. Yeah, out of, out of control. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I think that's great. So, no right, yeah. That's like anti-writer's block. You've grown up like you kind of said, like, "Hey, screw it, let's go, let's rock and roll." Yeah. So that's that's the secret, the secret to getting over writer's block. Just don't give a shit. Yeah, just stop giving a shit. I tell myself with the, a draft, I say like, <laughs> I literally like when you look at a when I look at a scene and I kind of go, you know, like the horse up against a cliff, like doesn't want to go forward. I say, no, nah, you got to jump. Like, just jump. Right. What is the dumbest thing yeah, you can yeah. put on this page? Like. And so I, I call my first one or two drafts. I'll probably be working on one right after this episode because uh, you've inspired me, James. Uh, I um, and I'm writing about a cartoonist too at the moment. So some of the things you said, I'm like, oh, cool. Those those weave in. Um, I, I sometimes ask myself with writer's block. I, I say, what is the dumbest thing you can put right here? Like, what, how would how would like Scooby Doo do this? Like, what is the most simple way to do this? <laughs> just to put the mechanic down? Just to put the 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 beat down, and then you can you can make it better later, because that's what rewrites are for. Uh, I don't have a Patreon that I'm doing a daily thing on. It's like I can rewrite it, but yeah, I think I think I haven't had writer's block in years, just because I tell myself like, hey, we're all gonna be dirt one day. Just go crazy. Just write something silly, and loud and fun. And if you need to beef it up, if you know, if you need get collaborators who want a little more out of this, then. They can pay you to do that, <laughs> or they can, <laughs> or you can, you know, you can collaborate and, and make it work for everybody. But ultimately, that first draft is mine, and it's probably pretty unreadably silly at some point, <laughs> which is great. Um, I had this uh, painting professor uh, in graduate school, uh, Sky Archie Rand, and he said, um, "Okay, so like, if you take a risk in real life, like you jump off a cliff." You're going to like mangle your legs or hit your head or something. You're going to destroy yourself. You're going you're gonna to die. You take a risk in your art. Nothing's going to happen to you. What are you scared of? Mm-hmm. Um, you might make Morbius. I'm kidding. Geeks gave yeah, us. Right, no. I mean, two and, months and, ago, and, we and, had the Morbius so, writers in the show and they're and I, great and guys. I, so don't worry about that. Make Morbius. It I, gives a shit. And I thought he was right for a long time until I 
then when I was drawing autobiographical comics, I realized, no, you can really mess up your actual life. <laughs> yeah, the dirty laundry. You know, thing. you know, like you piss off a friend or, you know. Yeah, the dirty laundry stuff is something that I thought about in college when I was getting into filmmaking because I, everybody's a documentarian early on. And and sometimes with this with, with this very show, it's turned into the Truman Show for me because it's literally been 15, 16 years of my life. And it's weekly, and I talk about things, and um, and you do have to put those brakes on and say, well, it's not all for them. Some of this stuff, has, you do have to put a little bit up. I'm not going to live stream my wedding in a week, in a, in a month. Right, right. Because yeah, yeah. No, no, that's, that would be a terrible idea. Be a terrible idea. And um, people do that kind of thing all the time. It, it, it's almost like it's almost become a national sickness. And it's not special um, anymore. Yeah, it took me or, forever you know, like, to make a or like, or like TikTok. Uh, I, I, uh, yeah. I just put I put old Geekscape on TikTok. You know what I'm putting on on TikTok? I'm putting me interviewing like people from Comic Con 2007. That like, you know, I'm just like bringing little clips of snippets of me talking to Robert England and Tony Todd, or me talking to Grant Morrison. I'm throwing those snippets up on TikTok with like a list of what I'm reading in comics that week, and that's. Fun. And it's a, I said national but, sickness. It's a it's a worldwide. Sickness. I think it's a global I mean, like, sickness. This yeah, wannabe it's, celebrity it's stuff. And 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 when I say it's a, a global sickness, I'm I'm not really being preachy. I'm not immune to this at all. I'm yeah, sucked yeah. in just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, the the Patreon thing is something I not want to do with Geekscape just because I have trepidation about being able to feed that stuff. It, it takes a lot of metabolism to keep it fed. You know, and that scares me. But also the TikTok thing I was resistant to for a long time out of not wanting that worm in my brain that I have to feed it. Right. I, I, I get scared when I want to feed these things because you do feel it when you're sitting in. When you, first thing you do wake up in the morning is you want to get on the health carousel of like check Facebook, check Twitter, check Instagram, check TikTok, check your email. And then enough time's gone by and checking those four things that you go back in the next circle of the health oh, carousel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you're in the carousel of hell for the next 30 minutes and you realize you haven't done anything you've withered oh, you can it can it can go a lot longer than 30 minutes so i don't want so like <laughs> I've, been, I've been hesitant to feed that stuff yeah in long-form conversation good or bad like that's kind of what i like to do is get to know people and do things um a, a couple i didn't have a cell phone and a couple years ago more than a couple years ago time goes by so fast i know um so it was probably like a year before the pandemic or something like that. Anyhow, my wife said, you want a cell phone for your birthday? And I said, no. And she got me one. And um, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but in case of emergency, I want you to have a, yes, what I was trying yeah. to say I, was I, I want you to have a cell phone yeah, in case yeah. of emergency, of course, but I was course, making it sound like an idea that might've been yours. <laughs> She wanted you to have I mean, <laughs> I, she knew I wanted one, okay. but I also knew it wasn't going to be good for me. Um, and, you know, I'm obsessed with the phone as anybody. I feel the brain um, worms. I feel these little worms, yeah. like freaking the, that Khan put in Chekhov and fucking Wrath of Khan. I just feel this little worm in my head being like, just check me. Turn me on. I might so have an update. The, the thing. So I, after I had had my phone for like a year uh, or so, I suddenly realized it's absolute perfect uh use which is uh, so my whole life i've written write songs all the time I write songs every day and i forget them as fast as i write them uh now i can just whip out my phone anytime i've got a little song i just sing it into the phone put it back in my pocket 
can continue on the day. Uh, and and um, I had been uh, starting during the pandemic texting the songs to this other friend of mine. Um, and uh, he was actually cataloging them all and helping me choose collaborators. So that's how we did the... That's great. Um, like um, he helped... Anyhow, he helped with those, these, he's helping with these collaborations uh, uh, that I've been doing. But anyhow, um, I, since the pandemic started, I've written, well, let me check my phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do the same thing. I will email myself. Since snippets. the pandemic yeah. has started, I have written 1,237 songs. That's a lot of dishes, James. Yeah. Um, and and uh, about a little less than a year ago, I started posting them all on my Patreon. Um, <laughs> so I have like 580 something songs on my Patreon, all Man. brand new songs. A lot of them are a cappella. A lot are just me playing the piano and singing. Um, and then um, now I got to like start choosing which songs to make. Big add production full, value. Yeah, add production value, right. That's the your version of the Might Be Giants tape. Oh, yeah. 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 That's it. Like, the, the, the old, they're all dial-a-song. They're little four-track stuff that they put on a cassette tape to go to the colleges and have something to sell. You're doing it with a yeah, phone. Yeah, or, 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 or the, the, they used to do this thing, dial-a-song, where you could, call a, you could call their phone number, mm -hmm. and they would have an answer machine, and they put new songs on there every day. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I did not know about that, but that's pretty cool. Um, well, James, let's let you go. Let, let, let me let you get back to your okay, work. Yeah, sorry. I, no, James, this has been awesome. <laughs> I, like, I just no, I just I just felt like there was a point, like maybe twenty minutes ago, where I could tell you were starting to wrap up, and we've talked a lot. Since uh, listen, Geeks gave us too bad. I'm the boss. I'm the boss here. I'm the boss here. And if you wanted to, it, listen, you could have turned your damn phone off anytime you wanted before this. You could have turned it off. Listen, if you're watching on Facebook, Twitch. Or uh, where else we on? Uh, we're on YouTube. You could have turned this off a long time ago, but too bad. I'm the boss. I get to keep talking. Um, if you like the talking, we talked a lot of good. Talked about a lot of good stuff. I just like getting to know you, and that's that's what I realized. Like I, and I told, I admitted this to Matt Kelly. I said, I know I'm doing a lot of geekscapes. I'm trying to get a bunch up before the wedding because I think I'm going to have a lull here. But I got to talk to like Neil Abut. I got to I get to talk to Jeff Fahey. I get to talk to actors. I get to talk to uh, Kim Coates was great. Like I get to talk to a lot of people, and I just want to meet. I just like storytellers. Yeah, I just to, like meeting to people talk and talking about, process. Get to talk about stories. I don't and care art, if nobody listens. Yeah. I'm sorry to offend people watching this or listening to this, but I really don't care if anybody listens. I just need to talk to other creators because it could be such a solitary thing to sit and write all day, or you know what I mean, like. I don't get to really hang with other creators unless I, I get something to go shoot or film to go make. Otherwise, I'm just sitting here writing my stupid ideas that have no resonance to anything until you throw them against the wall and other people. Yeah, that's why I like doing these uh, like collaborations. Incredible. Gives Incredible. You, it's just your way to bond with some cool people. And... and ultimately, why we built this Geekscape Network was to have not just this show, but the other 29 plus shows that we have on the network that are all about movies or comics or video games or filmmaking 
or it, music. We got all sorts of stuff. Maybe you should be on the, our music oh. show. There's all sorts of things you could I, be on. I, oh, yeah, I should. Um, I got to tell you one, just one more little detail oh, about okay. that song, The Mummy's on the Loose. Okay. Um, I actually wrote the song in 1985, but we never recorded it. You didn't have a song. It's like a real recording until <laughs> this year. What'd you record it on then? You didn't have a cell phone. What'd you put it on? A little tape? No, no. I wrote the song in in nineteen eighty five. We we recorded like okay. a version on like uh, four track, you know, cassette tape. Yeah. Not even four track. Just like literally playing it. Yeah. Live. Mm -hmm. um, we used to perform on the radio a lot. I think we have old. We have an old uh, uh, recording of us playing it live on the radio. That's awesome. Um, uh, and, but so that was with the old band that did the Casio keyboard and stuff. So it was just, this one was just Casio keyboard and me singing uh, the old version was. Um, but now it's a big, big rock song. Can't wait to hear oh this. Oh my God. It's amazing. So it was a Jazz and Hell original. Yep. And now it's James Kachalka Superstar with Rough Francis featuring Jello Biafra. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell, man? Uh, well, good idea never dies, Geekscapus. Uh, you just get just got to wait for its moment. Uh, that is September 16th. That's 30. That's 30 yeah. years. 30 freaking years. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, Hollywood makes you remakes of things from 30 years ago, so why not you? Yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> the dates are September 16th for the song. You're going to look for that on Spotify. And September 20th for this new book, uh, Dragon Puncher Punches Back. It's in bookstores. And if you, again, if you've got kids and you're trying to like figure out what you want to get them for Christmas, um, Hanukkah, any of the gift giving season, um, this is a good one right they here. Love it. They and it's a celebration it. of family. Like, I think it's beautiful that you're putting your kids in your books. I think it's really awesome. Um, all right. James, where's the best place for right. people to find you? Your website? Oh, do I have a website? Yes, you do. Uh, I don't think I really do. There is that, you know, it's, I guess Twitter or Instagram. Okay. <laughs> it's probably the best. Yeah. We'll, we'll search you on Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to go follow you on Instagram right now. I think I follow you on Twitter. If not, we're going to fix that. And uh, you have a new home here at Geekscape. Anything you want to do here on Geekscape, promote any of the shows, come do it. Um, yeah, sounds great. It's fun. Uh, love you, buddy. And if you need anything, here we are. Geekscapist, share this with your friends, subscribe. You know how to do it. Find us on social media. And, Thanks for uh, the beautiful conversation. Dude, love you, man. And uh, as we say here on Geekscape, don't hate, create. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.